0: Dear friends and family, we want to thank you so much for partnering with us. For 27 years, we've been ministering in Novokuznetsk, Siberia, and you have been faithfully supporting us in finances and in your prayers. Yes, thank you so much for your prayers and support over the years. We sincerely thank God for you. This uh, past month, we did a few outreaches for The Lost, and we're so excited that the youth from our church made a video for February 14 and in this video they were in two minutes able to reach thirty-four thousand people. It's amazing from the ages of thirteen to thirty-five. We're so grateful to God for the opportunities He's been giving us through media. Yes, also on the fourteenth of February we had an outreach for young couples. Couples from our church invited their friends and neighbors. We had over 70 couples show up for the dinner where we shared the gospel, we shared God's love, and we shared God's plan for marriage. And we would like to ask you for prayer for a great event that's coming up Easter Sunday. In Russia, Easter will be on May 2nd and we're planning to launch our third satellite. So please pray with us. God has already blessed us with a building. We'd like to set up a gym to reach out to the young people, and we need your prayers. Thank you so much for praying with us. Yes, thank you. God bless you. God bless you.
1: it be i mm-hmm. Be your glorious name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Yes, Lord Jesus, we bless you, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether it's good or bad or or it's a time of confusion or, or a difficult season, whatever it is, oh God, please help us to always trust in you and to honor you and to look to you and not to despair or to lose hope. Blessed be your name, Lord God. You are good. You are love. We love you. We give you our lives. Please have your way, we pray. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
2: Our scripture reading today is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shammah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said, Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Good morning, everyone. As many of you know, I am the youngest child from a very large family and that both my parents were much older when I was born. In fact, my mother was 42 and my father was 53. When my dad was in his early 60s, the impact of a workplace injury reached the point where he could no longer work. He'd taken some poor advice and a very small low ball offer from his employer And he found himself without work and in between the time where he could begin to draw his old age pension at age 65. So for a few years, our family were recipients of social services to bridge the gap until my dad would turn 65. This was a very hard time on my dad because he was one of the hardest workers you would ever meet and not being able to provide for his family was humiliating for him. Now part of the provision that we received from social services was free prescriptions. Our family was given this half page size white cardboard drug card to present to the pharmacist when picking up a prescription. He would fill in the lines, the date, the type of drug prescribed, who it was for, and then no charge. We didn't own a car, so often the responsibility fell to me to jump on my bike and go to the local drugstore and pick up prescriptions. I found this task as a 10-year-old boy to be very difficult. Everyone knew what that white cardboard card was and the symbolism that it held. I knew what people thought and said about those who are on social services. Things like people on social services were lazy, unmotivated, stupid, manipulators of the system. And so I despised that card and all that it represented because I knew my dad was not lazy. He wasn't unmotivated, he wasn't stupid, he wasn't manipulating the system and I resented anyone who would think differently. I was so concerned with the thoughts and opinions of others that I determined to not ever let anyone see that card and think about my dad and my family in that way. So if there was a lineup at the pharmacy, I would wander around the store waiting for it to clear. Sometimes it took more than an hour to find that window of opportunity to subtly slip that white cardboard card to the pharmacist and beyond my way. The truth is, for many of us, our behavior on a daily basis, our opinion of ourselves, the value that we assign to ourselves is shaped by the perceptions and the opinions and the words of others. Today is week four of our five-week sermon series which we've entitled, Letting Go where we have been addressing some things that we must let go of in order to experience the quality of life that God desires for each of us. Today, we will be addressing the importance of letting go of our insecurities that are rooted in what others think and say about us. And so we will be reminded today that we will realize God's full potential in our lives when we let go of our insecurities and begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Today, we'll be considering 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses one to 13. And this is a passage where Samuel is anointing David as the future king of Israel. This scripture places a great importance on seeing ourselves and others the way God sees us. First, direction. Our scripture begins with God having a conversation with Samuel. Samuel is Israel's primary prophet, and he is mourning the details and the reality of the current king's reign, who is King Saul. And God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, you have mourned for Saul long enough. Saul had been a disappointment. He had a disobeyed God, and as a result, his reign was coming to an end. Samuel was mourning for Saul and for the whole situation. Samuel had personally anointed Saul. He was a personal advisor to Saul, yet Saul had failed. He was sad for Saul, he was disappointed, and he was caught up in lamenting the whole situation. Basically, what God is telling Samuel here is that the time of mourning for Saul is over. It's time to move on. So fill your flask with oil and head to Bethlehem to anoint the next king who will succeed Saul. Once arriving in Bethlehem, he would find a man there named Jesse. God had selected ahead of time one of Jesse's sons to be the next king of Israel. Now Samuel was afraid of these instructions. If Saul found out about him going to Bethlehem to anoint another king, Saul would consider these actions treason and maybe even have him killed. So God suggested that he take a heifer with him and say that he was there to offer up a sacrifice to God and to invite Jesse and his sons to participate in the sacrifice with him. So Samuel did as the Lord had instructed, and started out on the three-kilometer journey to Bethlehem to anoint the next king of Israel. Secondly, inspection. When Samuel arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town came out to meet him, and they were very concerned It's not every day that the prophet of God would show up in their town, and it was not always good news when the man of God arrived. Was there a problem? Have you come in peace? Samuel assured them that he had indeed come in peace, and he desired to offer up a sacrifice with them. And it appears that Jesse is one of the elders of Bethlehem, and he's in this group of people. Now, Jesse was a farmer, a herdsman, a breeder of sheep and goats. And so Samuel invited Jesse and his seven sons to the sacrifice. When the family arrived, Samuel took notice of Jesse's oldest son, Eliab. He was tall and handsome. And Samuel thought to himself, surely this one is the Lord's anointed. He must be the one. But God told him, Samuel, don't judge by his appearance and his height. He's not the one. People judge by outward appearances, Samuel, but the Lord, well, I'm looking at his heart. Now, it seems that Jesse knew why Samuel was there because he continued to parade his sons before Samuel for consideration. All seven sons were brought before Samuel, but he declared that not one of them was the Lord's anointed. The inspection process seemingly had failed. Third. Selection Samuel was confused. God had told him that one of the sons of Jesse had been chosen by him to be the next king, yet all seven had been paraded before him, and none of them was the right one. So Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, Well, there, there's one more. There's David, the youngest. Youngest here literally means the littlest and he's out in the field watching over the flocks. Now Jesse clearly did not see David as a potential candidate. Most biblical scholars believe that David was somewhere between 10 and 15 years of age at this particular time. Jesse saw a boy, not a king. Jesse saw who David was, not who David would become. In addition to this, Normally, watching over sheep in the fields was a servant's job. Jesse's family was likely not wealthy enough to hire a servant, so he assigned one of his sons, the one who would make the least contribution elsewhere. Now, I want us to note that David wasn't invited to the feast and that he wasn't even mentioned by his father until directly asked. David's own family did not see him as anything more than the least member of their family. Now, what I find interesting is this. His family saw David's work in the fields as a task for the least member of the family. But God saw David's work in the fields as preparation for a future season. You see, in Psalm chapter 78, verses 70 to 72, we read this. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. And he cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. During David's time in the fields, he learned to care, to protect, to lead, to develop the heart of a shepherd. And it prepared him to care for, protect, lead God's people with the heart of a shepherd. Samuel asked for David to be brought to him. And when this beautiful, bright-eyed little boy walked in, God said, that's the one, that's him, anoint him. And David's family stood around him as Samuel anointed him as the next king of Israel. Immediately we are told that God's spirit came powerfully upon David from that day forward. Samuel left for home, and we are told in the very next verse that God's spirit departed from Saul. There are three observations that I would like to draw from our scripture today. The first is insecurity. Most of us struggle with varying degrees of insecurity That is often the result of what others have said to us, what others have done to us, how others have treated us throughout our lives. For many of us, we have been told that we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We're not beautiful enough. We're not thin enough. We're not smart enough or spiritual enough. We're not capable or worthy. We're not lovable. We're flawed. We're broken. Now, sadly, the words and opinions of others have a profound impact on the value and worth that we place on ourselves. We default to seeing ourselves through the eyes of those who, quite honestly, don't really see who we really are. So instead of living our lives based on who God says we are, we tend to live out our lives believing who others say we are. Those who are often so insecure themselves that they cope with their insecurity by bringing others down. It's important for us to remember that what matters most is who God says we are. What matters most is what God thinks of us. He sees things in us that others cannot see. He sees things in us that we can't see ourselves. In Moses, he saw a leader. When Moses saw himself as an Egyptian fugitive with a speech disability. In Gideon, he saw a mighty warrior. When Gideon saw himself as the most insignificant person in the most insignificant family. In Samuel, he saw one who could hear the voice of God even as a little boy and who would hold the prophet Eli and his family accountable for their sins when all others saw was just this little boy. In Peter, he saw the leader of the early church, when others saw a hot-headed, error-prone, uneducated fisherman. In Paul, he saw the gospel advancing to the Gentiles, when others saw an evil and legalistic persecutor of believers. Now, folks, I could go on and on this morning, but I believe I've made my point. People look at the outside, what they think they see. But God looks at the heart, and he knows who we really are. If we are going to choose to believe one, we must certainly believe God. God says you are good enough. God says you are strong enough. God says you are beautiful. God says you're smart God says you're capable, that you're worthy to be loved even with your flaws and your brokenness. I have made the statement on occasion that I don't care what people think. But the truth is, I care very much about what people think. What I mean when I make that statement, when I say I don't care what people think, what I mean is this that I'm not going to let what others think of me or say about me or to me shape who I am or what I believe I'm supposed to do and who I'm supposed to be. Now, some days I do really well with that. But on a lot of days, the words spoken to me, the accusations made against me, the moments of being misunderstood and judged, the years of being told that you come from nothing dominate my thoughts and I either feel defeated or incredibly inspired to prove them all wrong. And I have to remind myself daily that what matters most is not what others say or think, but what God says about me. See, he loves me. He's crazy about me. In fact, he loves me so much He got my name tattooed on his hands. People look at the exterior, but God, he looks at the heart. Secondly, preparation. I have learned that God never wastes a season of our lives. He never wastes a heartache, a disappointment, a struggle, a failure. He doesn't waste it. God takes all of it and uses it to move us forward to fulfill the plans and purposes that he has for us. God is always preparing us for the next season, the next step, the next moment. David's years in the field trained him to be a shepherd to God's people. 40 years in Egypt and 40 years tending sheep prepared Moses to lead the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. Folks, God is not wasteful. God is not wasteful. You may have been through a great deal. You may be presently going through a great deal. There may be a tough season waiting just ahead for you. But you can be assured of this. God will use every bit of it. And he will make it count in your life. So rather than resenting where we have been, where we are presently, or where we may be some point in the future... Ask God to use it as preparation for all that he longs to do in and through your life. And thirdly, anointing. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, coming upon certain individuals that God had chosen in order for them to accomplish specific purposes. In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, Coming upon all believers, because now all believers are called to accomplish God's purposes. Folks, the Holy Spirit is the difference maker. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers those who feel inadequate and unqualified and accomplishes things through them that they would never accomplish on their own. Now, in our faith tradition, we sometimes limit the anointing to the leader. But the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, is for all followers of Jesus, enabling all of us to accomplish amazing things for God. See, the truth is, we're not educated enough or smart enough or connected enough or experienced enough to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, in our own strength. We desperately need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, God makes that available to each and every one of us, just as he did to David. In conclusion this morning, our individual securities are most often rooted in what others think and say about us. But remember today, we will realize God's full potential in our lives when we let go of our insecurities and begin to see ourselves As God sees us,
1: you are my joy, you are my song, you are the well the one I'm drawing from you. Surely my God i Your love defends me And when I feel